on the line from California is the ultimate tag first-time champion and beach handball athlete, Charlie White. Charlie, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Um, I had a blast on the show, and it was uh, great to represent uh, beach handball. Yes. Always great to get the word handball out there, and always great to show that we can win. <laughs> nice job. Um, so we're going to talk more about the ultimate tag here in a little bit. But first, I'd like to do the uh, like what I always like to do anytime I'm talking with handball with uh, somebody I don't know real well is is to to get their origin story. So tell me a little bit about your background, sports you played as a kid, and, and how you got involved with handball. Absolutely, I, I'm pretty late. I wish I had discovered handball earlier in my career. I absolutely love the sport. Um, I think I grew up uh, like a lot of American kids playing a lot of different sports. Um, you know. I grew up in a military family. You move around from base to base. And so one of the ways you, um, you know, you play in all these different sports. So I grew up playing uh, soccer, baseball, you know, track and field, uh, kind of everything that the, the different bases offered. Um, I was born in Southern California. I had an identical twin brother. And so we constantly were playing and uh, training um, from a very early age, you know, always competing in school and in sports. Um I played uh, Division One soccer at uh, Vanderbilt University. Uh, it was the number one conference in the nation at the time, and uh, so it was a pretty high level. Uh, but we were always a 500 team. I always wanted more. And the soccer, ultimately, uh, I felt like wasn't uh, a career path I wanted. I, I coached a lot um, on the summers with uh, professional players, and um, it just seemed like a very difficult life as far as like the money um, and uh, to sustain uh, a lifestyle. And so I, I, at that point, I kind of chose to pursue a professional career, and I. Uh, and ultimately, like when this beach handball thing came back around, I feel like I had a, ch a second chance uh, to be an athlete again. And I uh, I didn't realize how much I missed it and how much I loved competing and uh, training like a like an athlete. Uh, so I kind of jumped on it with like everything I had. And I was like, wow, this is um, I just love I love every minute of it. So uh, I was introduced to beach handball by uh, Vince, Vince March Banks. He was on the uh, 2016 Pan Am uh, championship team uh, and he and I. Uh, had played competitive dodgeball against each other for a long time um, in Los Angeles. And so I knew him and I used to see him post these videos all the time. And uh, I looked crazy. They're on the beach, like, you know, uh, scoring all these different goals. Uh, he played a little bit indoor too. Um, and so that's how I was introduced to the sport really. It was through, uh, through Vince. And um, I saw them compete against uh, Brazil down in Hermosa beach in a friendly match. And um, I couldn't understand what was going on as far as the rule set uh and why he kept having to run back down the court and then back on and stuff he was playing specialist <laughs> so uh, but eventually once i started training with the team had yeah. you had you seen handball at all before like on during the olympics the indoor version or played in pe or any of your big different base travels never i'd never i'd never seen it or heard it heard of it um the closest I mean, we played basketball growing up and we played uh, dodgeball, you know, and uh, baseball, but uh, never handball. Uh, I, was, I was, to be completely honest, I was uh, completely unfamiliar with the sport. So you hadn't even seen the indoor version before you saw the uh, outdoor beach version? No idea. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Um, I know that they had, they had uh, courts down uh, where uh, the MLS team trains down in Torrance. 
And uh, I thought those were just indoor soccer courts. I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't know that those are handball. <laughs> That's funny. Cause, uh, um, you know, a lot of times when people, they, they first play beach handball and I was certainly guilty of this. I, I was just, I just knew indoor handball. So I kind of had, uh, first off we, we tried to play regular handball on the sand, which was crazy. And, and then when I saw I had all these different rules, I was kind of had a little bit of a bias from uh, growing up with the indoor game, if you will. But that was something that didn't occur at all with you, I take it. Not at all. I mean, in many ways, uh, I love being on the beach and I love training on the beach. Um, the other thing that at this point in my career, um, what I liked about the beach version is uh, it's non-contact. Uh, I love a little bit of contact and I'm drawn to it. Uh, but you know, the injuries and everything uh, take a toll, especially when I'm trying to balance like a, you know, like a professional career and training consistently. Um, that was one of the things too. I was, I was playing some sevens rugby when I got out of school and uh, I loved it, but it's, uh, it's pretty physical. Um, and so one of the things with beach handball is, uh, I loved, uh, just like the speed of it and, uh, you, know, you score a lot of goals. I love offense i love scoring goals and um so that really kind of i felt like this was something that i could you know pursue uh uh much longer term and not and not have to you know worry about being really hurt for sure i don't know if you remember seeing me out there this past summer i even played you know and i hadn't played any handball in gosh a long time and it was you know i was a little sore but you know i'm older than you <laughs> yeah. it wasn't so bad you know it uh uh, I can't even imagine playing indoor handball right now. Um, so that is, to me is a big positive about the game is you're not uh, you're not getting constantly abused. Absolutely, I feel like there's a huge opportunity. Uh, I feel like it's a fun sport and you can play uh, kind of like with different levels. Some of the some of the spin shots obviously are a little more difficult. I was thinking about playing indoor and then I watched uh, Drew Donlin play in some of the, the USA games and I'm like, man, he is getting. They just like. Uh, it's very physical, um, you know, just getting hit in the lower back constantly. And, you know, when he's up in that, that center position and um, I was like, man, I, I'm really happy. I think I'm going to stick with the, the beach for now <laughs> it's, uh, and leave that for Drew. Um, yeah. But I thought about just just to get the extra time, like when we're not practicing on the beach, I wanted to continue training. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks, looks very physical. I love I love the beach version. In many ways, I see it kind of like the two-on-two with the AVP. You know, they took the indoor version and they brought it out to the sand with a modified rule set. So. Yeah, and I lived I lived in uh, Manhattan Beach for a few years, and uh, I, I always get frustrated. You know, I'd see all the people playing volleyball, and my skills at volleyball were just, you know, so. It, it, I figured out for me to be good to get good at beach volleyball would have taken some serious work because it's such a finesse game and that's where i was like oh man I, beach beach handball is before my time it would have been great to been able to to go out on the beach and play a game with a little bit more run a little bit more i don't know i don't want to knock down beach volleyball but it's just something i never really got super into it's different i feel like uh i i felt the same way in many ways like uh, i tried beach volleyball when i came down here but uh something about beach handball uh is just um, the attack, like the counterattack, all those types of things were just uh, better for me. I felt like it was just something that I yeah, immediately uh, kind of recognized the game and I loved it. 
um, it's just a different type of sport. And, um, you know, it's the same thing. I was playing like a couple of like these competitive rec leagues and that sort of thing. And I was just kind of doing it for fun. But as soon as I started playing uh, beach handball, I was like, wow, this is something I feel like I could be really good at. And I, I just really enjoyed uh, the pace of the game and uh, the structure. Yeah. So, you know, you start playing, you, you, you pick up the game fairly quickly and uh, you got to go to the uh, the world championships last year. <laughs> big experience and, and I, I was I, I listened to some other interviews that you did I guess you came back from uh, from Russia a little bit bummed that the team hadn't done so well but ultimate yeah. tag kind of dropped into your lap tell us a little bit about how that happened yeah you, you know I was thinking about it and it wasn't it wasn't exactly right after Russia there actually was a extended period of time but what happened in Russia is uh, I feel like it lit it lit a fire inside me I got to see like the world's best athlete at handball at an international level and I felt like uh, the USA, I feel like we have uh, just tremendous athletes in this country and I feel like we can compete. I feel like we're right there, we're on the edge. And so when we got back, we had had a training camp with Spain, who was one of the best teams in the world. And um, we did really well against them. I think uh, in the last day, I scored like every every shot that I took. And uh, I just felt like I could compete at that level. And not only compete, I felt like I could, I could excel at that level and help the team. And I felt our team could um, we were right on the edge. And so when we got back, I just started training all the time. Uh, we had just gotten back from a, a tournament in Mexico, I think right before that, that show. And, um, the whole reason I got cast on the show was, uh, I had, I was just training, uh, like, you know, all the time. I was, just, I was, uh, I'm a pretty good, um, athlete. And I think, uh, I was going to these training camps and stuff and I was doing more than the instructors <laughs> and the trainers <laughs> and all of this stuff. And they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> all over the place um and uh and so they gave my name to uh one of the casting directors for the show and then that kind of set the whole process off yeah you know it's those uh they're almost they're kind of like a hybrid you know between uh, uh a traditional sport and a reality show uh i i look at uh ninja warrior and i guess some of the professional taggers were were guys that have been on ninja warrior and uh, um, I've always been a little bit curious uh, as to the, the production and, and how they run one of those shows, um, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, that I guess I guess, you know, their focus is on making an entertaining product yes. with compelling stories that uh, that might engage uh, uh, more than just the traditional sports fans. So I, tell me a little bit about, you know, how how they filmed it, how they got everything organized. And, and, and you guys were the guinea pigs, first ones up. Yeah. yeah, so this is the first season of it. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's based on entertainment. There's actually a very competitive version of uh, tag. It's called like World Chase Tag. And that's just parkour athletes. Uh, so that's not what this show's intent was. Um, the idea is you're going to see a whole diverse uh, group of contestants from like all different uh, walks of, you know, all different types of athletes coming in. And uh, they did have an extensive uh, group of like uh, Ninja Warriors who were even, they weren't even on the show. They were part of like the testing group for the the home team, like the Taggers and that sort of thing for them to get ready. Uh, But even the Taggers, uh, they have these like personalities, almost like American Gladiators. Um, And so I think that was, that was more the theme is to kind of have this entertainment um, type of uh, tag show with these obstacle courses. It's not just tag, Uh, but those courses were, pretty extreme like they're they're not padded it's all you know concrete and metal 
And so, you know, there's going to it's they're pretty serious. Uh, and so you need to uh, navigate your way through it. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. It was a lot of fun. I loved every minute of it. Um, so I think it looked a lot more padded to me on TV. But you're saying that was deceptive. No, there was only padding uh, in the second event, I think, when you were hitting the buzzer. Uh, and so uh, all of those like bars and the ground, uh, yeah, I was it's yeah, it's all just concrete and metal. Um, and so, and they're pretty high up, like the beams. Uh, none of those things are padded. Uh, so you know, you're going to see some pretty serious injuries uh, throughout, this, throughout the season. I don't know how much they'll show on TV. Um, but uh, not only the contestants, the taggers as well. So, Did you get a chance to like walk through the course that you were going to run through and, and kind of look at where everything was and, and figure out like, okay, what am I going to do and where am I going to go? That sort of thing. Well, I had, originally had no idea it was going to be parkour. And uh, we also had no idea what we were getting into until we showed up that morning and we saw the new course. There was, there was a lot of like rumors and they actually did a great job of like keeping everything very secret. Uh, so you would show up that morning and, uh, you got two minutes uh, and they wanted you to walk the course just so you kind of understood the layout. Uh, they didn't, just so when you came out live, you didn't start running the wrong direction. And they're like, all right, you can't like run into the crowd or like go over the middle section and that sort of thing. Uh, but they also didn't want you to run it at all because they want, didn't want you to get hurt or anything before the live taping. Uh, so they would bring you out, basically explain the rules of the game. Um, you had about two minutes to walk through the course one time. And then that was pretty much it. And so uh, the next time you came out, uh, you know, the cameras are on, the lights are up, and it's just uh, three, two, one, uh, go. And then it's just like, boom, and you, and you just start going. And then, uh, and then you have these – and we had some crazy taggers on our – some of the best guys. Like, uh, you know, these guys are on another level. Um, that guy, Tavon, is like a uh, like national speed champion. The way he moved was unbelievable. I've never seen anybody move like that. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, and that, and that was another thing, too, where, uh, you know, when you have a kind of a staged competition like that, it's like yeah, nothing against some of the tagger, pro taggers that were more of a bodybuilder type. But I was like, on, I'd rather go up against that person than like uh, the super speedster parkour guy. And, you give, know, uh, yeah, give me how the body who, who, who goes yeah. against who? I mean, they can almost they can almost pick who they want to win or lose in theory, you know, and, and those, uh, absolutely. Those batches make a huge difference, right? Uh, especially when there's a timed event, like the, some of those, I mean, just my perspective, uh, they actually showed us highlight videos uh, when we were in the initial interviews and I got to see uh, the different taggers and I knew immediately, like, I feel like you can tell uh, when someone moves um, kind of like they're, uh, their athletic ability, and I could tell immediately which guys were dangerous and which guys I felt like uh, wouldn't be a problem for me. Um, but absolutely, like some some of those guys, especially the Tempest crew, they're like professional free runners. And um, and then Savan, uh, I was like, okay, th- these guys, you know, I haven't seen the course, I don't know what we're doing, but just the way this guy moves and the speed at which he's able to change directions, no matter what what they give us, he's going to be like a, a very dangerous opponent. Yeah. And you were talking a little bit, you know, I'm kind of fascinated now. I'm only going to going to go look up uh, the what, what do you call it, the pro tag that the parkour do, guys do. Um, Tempest, yeah. There's a there's this, these free running gyms. I learned all of this on the show. I wasn't familiar <laughs> with parkour, 
but yeah, they have these uh, these parkour athletes, um, and there's also the World Chase Tag, which some of them compete as well. But these parkour athletes and they're they're professionals, full time professionals. Uh, they also do stunts in movies and that sort of thing. Um, and so they, uh, yeah, it's called like parkour free running, and they just uh, they just train to like you know jump off of buildings and do flips and change directions and spin off bars and uh you know i, I went up against the kid uh in the dome and uh, i'm not gonna say who it was but a guy backstage one of the producers was like yeah the kid he look at his arms he's so skinny you could totally lose him on the bottom and i knew immediately when i dropped underneath and i saw this guy start to move on the bars i was like this guy this guy has crazy arm strength <laughs> and i think i just got set up you know <laughs> So, yeah, I looked him up on Instagram later and uh, he's doing all sorts of crazy gymnastic moves on uh, parallel bars, like flips on the platforms and back and forth, and, like from one bar to another bar at a different angle. Um, and, uh, you know, my, that was my first time even getting on that thing. So I wasn't yeah, well, familiar that with that. Uh, one of the things I was like on, you know, there's some guys I, I was thinking to myself, like, uh, I like. Like the guy that uh, free climbed uh, Half Dome or whatever, you know they they could get on that 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 dome thing and they could unless the other guy is super good they could just they could never get caught, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they could yeah. just swing along on the bottom, uh, and, and that's that's where I, I see what they're staging. They, you know they want to get uh, people that are are below the skill level. Otherwise you you would have that situation where uh, yeah. So it, you'll see in uh, next episodes what happens is if the tagger is unable to catch the contestant, they'll actually call them out and they'll drop in like you know the ringer or like you know uh, like the Devon or the um, okay. big show. Yeah. So what happens is like they'll a tagger will come in. They're unable to tag the contestant, and so after a minute. Or so they'll be like, all right, you know, um, whoever it is, you're out. And then the next guy will drop in. And then at that point, uh, the contestant's a little winded. And then they got this guy come in. It's just like, boom, you know, they just get him. And if it was a traditional competition, you'd be like going, hey, you know, I was kicking butt. And, and you bring in a ringer yeah. to kick my ass. Really that, doing, that's like, not fair. It's the 10th round of a boxing match. And now you're going to throw in Mike Tyson. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And, I, and I saw I saw ABA and uh, Vince in the yeah. crowd. Were did they have to hang out all day too to wait to see you? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, they got to come in. Uh, usually, I was I was in the later episodes, and so they got to come in the afternoon. But they were still there, you know, three four hours at least, uh, just for my run. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty long. It's just the way uh, you know the TV works. They're trying to get the the Watt brothers to get they're saying all their lines and doing all their promos and, uh, and then getting all the lighting set up and everything. So there there definitely was a bunch of time in between the events. And it was this was their first, um, from my understanding, it was their first uh, show like this that the production company was running. I think they did Iron Chef uh, before this, and so uh, it was kind of new to them too. So everything was kind. Of, and there were so many contestants. We had 60 contestants plus all the alternates, all the taggers. Uh, people were getting hurt. You know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I, I suppose. So you guys are all back yeah. there in the in the green room, talking strategy on uh, on uh, how you're going to win the next we, competition. <laughs> we couldn't see the. Uh, I, you didn't get to see any of the other races. They didn't want to allow it because oh. they felt like it could be a bit of advantage. And you weren't technically supposed to talk to each other, even though um, people kind of like were were talking a little bit here and there. Uh, but yeah, you, you you didn't get to see uh, how people ran it or how the how the game was run 
uh, just because, you know, there's there's some money on the line. And so they didn't want to have anyone have an advantage. So you really didn't have a good idea of what people were doing. So I'm, I'm excited to see all these people I saw backstage, how they matched up against the Tigers and how they did on the course, because I really have no idea uh, what strategy they used or how they ran it. Uh, I kind of went with what I thought would work, um, but I don't know how they did at all. Yeah, and, and, and you talked a little bit about it with the uh, Instagram chat. <clears throat> Looks like you had some good strategies that I think uh, – that helped you helped you win um in, in particular like bunching up yeah. with the other guy and then like you know it's kind of like uh i guess with the with the wolves and the herd you know if you mm-hmm. if you know you're you're yeah. a little bit faster than the other guy you know that at that point where he comes up on you you can split off and they're going to go for the for the other guy i played so much tag i, I played tag a lot as a kid and ultimately uh, when you're in those situations, they're going to go for the easiest target, right? They're going to go for the, the guy that's closest to them. They're not going to go run for the guy over here. So if you if you uh, get targeted, uh, your best chance is to get next to somebody else again, and then uh, you suddenly become the harder target, and they're going to go for the the easier guy, right? And so that was that was a lot of the strategy too when we're in those like those team environments. Um, it's kind of like uh, they have to they have to they have to choose, right? And it's a lot thing same thing in beach handball, right? You want the easiest goal. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, it's always an advantage when you're on offense type of thing, right? So you just have to see those opportunities. And I feel like that's where I had a, a huge advantage in this game as well, is like recognizing opportunities in that, as an athlete. There was like some crazy athletes on that show as far as like um, fitness-wise, like fitness instructors and CrossFitters. And I'm sure they could destroy me at a CrossFit competition. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they could recognize like uh, like that opportunity and the spacing and the going in with like a, more of a, a mindset to – uh, to win so yeah you know and, and that's that's one thing i, I thought the, the the guy that was first eliminated uh, i thought there was a, a big separation between uh you and the i think the other guy was a played some football, football. and yeah i and, played uh one football yeah, yeah i was like going well it's charlie's gonna have a tough time beating that guy but your, your strategy was a little bit better and i think that helped you yeah. get get a little bit of a uh, you know, some time advantage going into the into the later rounds with the with the bonus points. So. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was worried about Naeem. I um I met him backstage and I, I learned uh later in the show that he would he would be one of the guys I would be competing against. And I um uh, I looked him up. He had a giant Superman tattoo on his chest, and I was like, oh geez, like this guy's serious. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, uh, that's that's a bold move. And so um. And he, yeah, obviously he's like a tremendous athlete in general. And so, uh, and then obviously like I, I have a job and I also play handball. And then this other guy was a full-time CrossFit coach. Uh, so, you know, they, they definitely, um, you know, I felt like we were going to have a good, uh, good competition going. And there was, I had no idea how things would play out once we got out there. Yeah. And also you had no idea who the taggers were going to be. We, you literally, they'd open they'd be like, all right. And like, here's the tagger. And then all of a sudden you see the guy coming out through the big, gate you know with all the lights and that's when you would learn who the guy was right so you had no idea who the tagger was and then things in the dome too it wasn't until they dropped down um that guy caveman uh that came on i knew who he was uh he's like a professional uh because during the, they introduced him uh when they were giving us a walkthrough and um they brought him on because one of the other taggers got hurt and they're like, oh, yeah, this is just one of our testers. He's a professional stuntman and free runner. And then they brought him in later as a tagger. And I was like, oh, great. Like, this guy, <laughs> this guy, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. 
well, hey, you, you got the big W. That's all that matters. I was like going, just $10,000? Come on, man. Get the, get the, <laughs> up, the, up the, you know. I mean, you look at a lot of the game shows they, they got out there. Uh, they got yeah. the, the bigger prize money. But, hey, sounds like you had a great time, and it was a great experience. Um, any, any talk about, like, a, you know, festival of winners, you know, that, you know, to – to bring you back or anything i haven't heard anything uh, i mean I, obviously i would do it i would do it i would uh i would have done that for free it was a just an amazing experience um and i love competing in that in that arena uh you know just uh i feel like that's you know like time slows down when you're in those moments and uh yeah i just love every every minute of it. i would i would do it again in a heartbeat I, if they do something i think a lot of it's going to uh, be based on the success of the show mm-hmm. i think that um you know lebron's james shot is similar premise but the way it was edited uh it was you know it just wasn't very successful so i think it just really depends on the success of the show but if if they offered it to me i would i would i would jump at it um as long as it didn't interfere with uh, beach handball <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I, and I love the I love the uh, the plug for uh, beach handball there, and to, to say that was that was the plans for that 10k was to to help help go on some more trips, and yep. then you know uh, what are we? I guess we're we're two months into this now uh, with the uh, uh, lockdown, quarantine. Uh, some of the restrictions starting to ease. I, I saw a little video clip of you out there uh, working on some spin shots with the mask. Uh, yep. What what are what are your thoughts on the you know the world championships getting canceled and not being able to train and uh, how are you dealing with all that? Um, I mean the the world championships were my primary focus. Like following the show, I, I was able to go out to, to Europe and plan um the summer superliga in poland uh that was like an amazing experience and then um now with the world championships that was like my primary focus um yeah every day i like wake up and i i set intentions and uh, one of the intentions was to prepare for the world championships and so obviously with that being canceled um i just want to be ready uh whenever it gets moved and i've heard some rumors about maybe the middle east um but uh yeah i just want to be ready when the team comes back together uh, to make the team. Um, and then, uh, I want to, yeah, I want to be on that team and I want to help us win, win a medal at the world championships, not just at the qualifiers, but you know, at the the world championship level, I feel like we can compete as a team there. And, um, that's my ultimate goal. And so, uh, we'll just see, I guess for me, for me now, I'm just uh, training every day. Uh, I'm on my own. And, uh, when the team comes back together, I'm hoping I can ramp up quickly as far as like, uh, getting into sync with, uh, you know, our center backs like Jacob and Abia. Uh, I am able to train with Abia has like been helping me out a lot with the uh, mechanics and the spin. He actually, uh, I send him videos of me working out and he helps me, um, work on my technique. Uh, so that's something I'm, I'm constantly working on. I feel like everything I can do on my own, I'm trying to take advantage of that. And so I really appreciate uh, everybody that's able to help me. I also have, I do like, I was doing video uh, conferencing with like jump mechanics um, with uh, uh, some, uh, he's a physical therapist that works with the LA Clippers. And so I, I, I work with him a couple times a week as well. And so we, we, he uh, watches live video and then he sends me workouts and stuff like that. So I'm still working out, um, you know, like five, six days a week. And then um, I just want to be ready. You know, I want to do everything I possibly can. I would say, I would say that, uh, um, maybe not scrimmaging, 
but it would seem mm-hmm. to me that there's a lot of things that the team could do training wise that I guess technically it'd be social distanced, you know, uh, you know, working on spin shops, working on uh, timing, that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll see. I think, I think, um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's just kind of, kind of, there's a lot of unknown uh, things right now. We're just trying to figure it out uh, and just come back safely. Um, so I'm not really sure. Uh, we're just kind of waiting. There's a group, we have a group chat with the team. Uh, Coach Hinson, as you know, is like a doctor, uh, so I know he's busy with everything as well. Uh, we do have a date uh, set. I think it's for next month is our first um, practice on the calendar. No, it's not. Oh, there's there we're still figuring out. I was just uh, and then uh, yeah, so I'm not really sure, but um, yeah, a lot of unknown. I mean, I just want to. I wish we had some calendar dates. I think it's difficult for everybody to not kind of have those those goals and those those dates ready, uh, especially for training. Uh, you want to try to be peaking right at the time of um, the competition, and so it's difficult to really know what, what to do. But uh, for me, uh, I'm just trying to like stay, you know, just stuff uh, prepare as best I can on my own, and then uh, as we slowly open things up, we'll get back together again. Sure. And, and I guess the other thing that helps out uh, beach handball a little bit is, you know, it's, a, it's an outdoor game. And mm-hmm. everything I've heard or, you know, read is that, uh, um, you know, the spreading and contact outdoors is, is a lot more difficult than, uh, uh, than uh, an indoor environment, so to speak. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully you guys will get, get out there. And I, that's the same thing I'd heard that uh, they had been looking at uh, uh, Middle East or North Africa as a potential um, venue for it, and I, I guess everybody's kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, what happens, what happens these next few months, and now they'll start to think about maybe scheduling it. I guess what I heard is that they wanted to keep it in 2020, so that kind of mm-hmm. leaves That's things right. open for you. <laughs> yeah, I heard the same thing. I heard it potentially could be this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know. I, you probably know more than me. I think, yeah, I'm not. Well, uh, that, you know, you guys, you know, you're like you said, you're gearing up for a world championships, and you don't know uh, when it's going to be. That's got to be. That's got to be. It's got to be tough on the mindset for preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's difficult. I'm not sure, especially because we're not. It's difficult not to see the guys every week to train with them. Um, you know, I I know a lot of the other countries are going to be dealing with the same thing. So I just hope that as we come out of this, like we're more prepared than they are, you know, this may be an advantage for us. If we actually like, can put in some work in the off time in the off season, like uh, we're not, our restrictions aren't as tough as like a lot of the other countries, like Spain's been on a full lockdown. Right. So if we're able to like, uh, um, we're able to actually go to the beach now, train outside, go running, that sort of thing. Who knows? Like maybe this will play out um, better for us. I'm not really sure. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, We'll keep our eyes and ears open for uh, for it to get rescheduling. Maybe, heck, even a better situation. Maybe it'll be the only sporting event going on. Everybody, <laughs> you know, all eyes will be on it, watching it. That would be truly awesome if that was that was to come to pass. We've had so many close close calls. I felt like uh, this this sport was going to blow up a couple times. I thought first when the Pan Ams were going to be in in uh, Oceanside, I was like, and it's going to be on TV. I was like, wow, people are going to learn about this sport. It's really going to um, be great and then obviously 
Uh, they lost the television deal. And then also when it was going to be the World Beach Games are going to be in San Diego. It's like, oh, this is a tremendous opportunity uh, for beach handball in the sport. I thought, okay, this is this is going to be it. And then obviously, like, it, it got moved. Um, and so it wasn't on TV. It's difficult. You tell people you play handball. Uh, I tell them I play beach handball. And they're like, oh, you mean with those old guys down in Venice Beach? Like, how do you play a team? <laughs> they think it's a little ball against the wall. Well, one one last topic, and, and just touch on a little bit. I heard you're a video game developer, and mm-hmm. uh, yes. um, what's your thoughts on uh, putting together a decent handball video game? I'm I'm not a video game expert anymore. <laughs> Back in the day, Atari man, I was pretty pretty good, but uh, I, I've seen this handball 17, and you know, like I guess there's like. If you, if you do a spin shot from the wing, it always goes in. There's like <laughs> there's like a, a a glitch in the system that you can score from like half court if you do it just right. You know, if you, you set it just right. And I'm like going, man, why can't why can't the handball world have a, a, a decent video game? You know, I think with all things, um, I think once as the sport has followings, the game the video game will follow as well. I think as soon as the sport gains popularity. A uh, great video game will follow. Uh, I don't know if I don't know I don't know if the video game will proceed proceed that. I think that uh, ultimately, like the um, you know the fans, like if if the sport blows up, there will be a great video game designed around it. So I think that's kind of uh, the market, right? I think the market will dictate the, the video. I don't know if it'll go the other way around. Who knows? I guess you could try to design a video game first, and then uh, maybe that'll help expose the sport. Is, it, like just, little... is it just that the mechanics? Of, of making different handball moves fluid in a video game is it a lot harder than than it looks uh, is it is it uh, it's, um, it's development time I think if, if you really think about it uh, think about it uh, kind of like in a as a historical context like if you if you played the old Madden games how you could just do a spin move and uh, just go all the way down and score a touchdown it just it just takes a, um, a certain amount of like time. Uh, to develop games and uh, it's just how much uh, production time and value like you want to go into it so obviously like when you ship console games it's very difficult to um, you have a hard date and then that's basically out there Uh, so once they finish the development process that's kind of it so like as you play these games time and time and time again there's going to be ways you can exploit the system if it's not uh, got a like a huge like testing process and that's an older game as well so well you've got all this I focus more on uh, on casual games and mobile games these days. So I, I didn't actually work on uh, any of the handball, old handball games. <laughs> well, maybe maybe there's some entrepreneur out there listening that's gonna ah this guy he he knows the game he knows he knows how to make them. I, I've got to get them on my team for uh, <laughs> I don't know what what are, what are, what are they gonna call it. Uh, Dubashai of 21 or something, you know, for uh, handball. Uh, we're going to follow the Madden. Uh, Madden right. Got to be. <laughs> anyway, well, Charlie, uh, it's great talking to you again. Congratulations on the win. Uh, really admired you, admire you out there still training without the teammates. Uh, that's dedication. And, uh, wow, I just, I just hope that they, uh, you know, things can get to the point where we can get be safe and uh, get you guys back out there on the court, bringing home a medal. 
I hope so. Yeah, I'll do everything I can on my side. And um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I love the program. Um, it's been a dream come true to travel with them and compete. And uh, I just hope that we can like, I really think that Americans just love winners. And so I feel like if we can win some big competitions, it, it'll really put us on the map. Yeah. Well, all right. For, for Charlie White, uh, this is John Ryan. And uh, thanks for listening.